Welcome back to the Biblical Eldership Podcast. We are going through the book, Biblical Eldership, and uh, today we're going to look at chapter two, Pastoral Leadership. Uh, Alex, you start this chapter with a question. Uh, According to the New Testament, who is responsible to pastor the local church? In unequivocal language, both Paul and Peter answer this question. But why do you start with that question? Well, I think it's a good place to start because what is the work of the elders? And what is interesting is that both Paul and Peter in the two uh, mountain peak passages, Acts 20, 1 Peter 5, they go to the shepherding imagery and all that's involved in the shepherding imagery, which we're going to look at in just a moment. Um, It's rich in... um, understanding the job of an elder right they don't give the charge to the deacons they don't give the charge to the church staff uh, they give it to the elders uh, so yeah you mentioned the the shepherd imagery uh, is this important in fact I heard one one teacher say we actually need to ditch the shepherd imagery uh, this is an outdated uh, example you know we need to replace it with the ceo model literally said this uh, is the shepherd imagery out, is it important <laughs> of course it's important it's the very image god uses of himself and of the lord jesus christ and of what elders are to do stick with the divine images that god right. gives and this image of uh, the near eastern shepherd is Perfect for what an elder is to do. It has the idea of intimacy, tenderness, concern, skill, hard work, suffering, love, all those ideas. They're not in the CEO model. This isn't a board of directors. No, let's get as much money as we can. This is an intimate uh, word picture. Again, just to reiterate, we talked about this a couple episodes ago, but but the whole board of directors is uh, mindset metaphor is such a pervasive tendency, I think, for for elders to fall back into. So this this chapter really punctuates and highlights uh, what shepherding work looks like. Now, before you get into some of the examples like love and authority, hard work, the first thing you mentioned, I think, is worth spending a little bit of time on the shepherd's presence talk oh, to me about the very presence. important well with uh dealing with literal sheep if the shepherd is within sight of the sheep they can rest they can eat if they cannot see the shepherd they panic the shepherd's presence is important to their health the same thing is true with elders mm-hmm, mm-hmm. their presence is important that's why the ceo model doesn't work when the shepherd is present, the people rest. They feel secure. They feel protected. All right. It's a real, a real thing, and it's a marvelous right. thing. Well, it's a, it's a problem too. Uh, you know, you mentioned don't be an invisible elder, and I think this, this could be an encouragement uh, to a lot of brothers who are serving. Don't be uh, an elder who is an absentee elder. Don't be an elder who, who doesn't show up to events. Uh, be at the front door. I know you've said this to me I mean, years ago, is you get to that front door. You greet people as they're coming in. You greet people as they're leaving. 
uh, there, there's, it's actually a profound observation. I've not heard others uh, bring this out, uh, at least as much as you have, but the importance of presence, of just being, a, being at events, being at church, being at Bible study, uh, you're around, and, and that, that's a huge part of the shepherding job of, a, of an elder, of a pastor, is just to be around and so I just I love that you highlight that. Well, some people think I'm not serving full time. I come in the church and go out of church and I'm an elder. Oh, no. You are a shepherd to those people. Every single elder needs to be present, circulating, percolating, going throughout, hugging older women, uh, tapping children on the head, whatever you have right. to do. Right. Be there. Be present. Let them see your presence. And you have more authority and more influence than you even understand yourself. Right. And this is a good thing for churches to think about is how can we highlight who our elders are? A lot of times churches have no idea. Another person was an elder. Uh, the church needs to know who the elders are and the elders need to act like elders, act like shepherds and be around and be present. Be out front. Be out front. So let's just go through a few of these things you mentioned. You start with love. Uh, the shepherd's presence, of course, we talked about. But talk to me about these things, shepherding work. What, what, do, what do shepherds do? Well, if we go down this list here, you'll see here on uh, page uh, uh, 32 and 33. You might want to turn there. Uh, unless you're in your car, don't do it then. Uh, first of all, love. And I was in Spain, and I saw this shepherd out in the field. He had about 50 sheep. And I said to the missionary, do you think we could go out there and talk to him? And so he said, sure, we can. So we went out there and we spent two hours with this shepherd. And I'll tell you, whatever you thought a shepherd is, he was it. So anyway, after two hours of asking him all kinds of questions about shepherding, which I always learn a lot about the analogy and using it with people too, I said to him, What's the mo tell me the most important thing I need to know about shepherding. He said, you must love the sheep. Hmm. And that's the same with us. People aren't easy to lead, and sometimes they can kick, and they can kick real yeah, hard. Right. If you don't love them, you will not last. So that's really the first thing. You have to love uh, the sheep. And of course, the Lord Jesus loved us, and the Apostle Paul loved those he uh, led to Christ. And then authority. There is authority with the shepherding task. Mm -hmm. uh, in fact, the shepherding imagery beautifully blends the concept of authority and leadership with self-sacrifice, loving care, and intimate relationships, which can never be seen in a cold CEO model. There is a closeness here uh, that can only be brought out by this image. Hard work. If you don't like work, you're not going to be a very good shepherd. Sacrifice. Any shepherd will tell you it's a lot of sacrifice. And it's dangerous work. In the Near East, they had lions, they had wolves, and there were thieves. They had to protect um, the sheep from these predators. And then there's skill and knowledge. Shepherding is not for dummies. There's a lot to learn about caring for sheep. The same with us. We need to know people, understand people, uh, be wise. Mm -hmm. So, uh, David, I have learned so much by reading books like the Philip Keller's books mm -hmm. on mm -hmm. literal shepherding. As I've read these books, he has several of them. I just transfer it over to, well, people are the same way. Bible says people are sheep. 
Right. That's a good book, by the way. It's I believe it's called the Sh- A Shepherd Looks at Psalm Twenty Three. That's one. Yes, of them, and right? he has one on uh, John Ten also. Just the a good shepherd. Just a comment here on authority. Um, you know, I think an elder can get uh, get in trouble if he he loves authority but doesn't love the people. Uh, so it's the com the combination of these things of of yes, it's hard work. There's sacrifice, dangerous work. Yes, there is authority. But that authority has to be met with with love, and you you highlighted that. But just the loving care, the intimate relationships, your authority will only aggravate people if if you don't love them, if they don't know they're loved. Uh, right after this, you get into the fourfold responsibility of shepherd elders, and uh, uh, let's talk about those four responsibilities. First one is uh, teaching and feeding. Uh, comment on this. So, well, the first job of a shepherd, and do all she- do all elders do this? Yes, all elders do it, each with a different uh, degree or with skills. Yes, all elders are to be able to teach. Titus one nine, which we're going to talk about later, very very important text of scripture. Mm-hmm. They all must be able to defend the truth from false teachers, and they must be able to teach sound doctrine to others. The first job of a shepherd is to feed. No food, no sheep. And that's why in the qualifications, particularly Titus 1.9, all elders must be able to teach. Not all are gifted teachers, but all must be able to open their Bible, answer basic questions, give the gospel, instruct in the things of God. Uh, the Bible is our tool for what we do. Mm-hmm. We should do everything by an open Bible. Mm-hmm. You've got in here, uh, biblical elders pastor the local church and can be called pastors, all of them, not just one. I'm, I'm highlighting that because I think a lot of folks from different traditions, they still have this tendency to think that while the pastor does the teaching, and uh, we're the elders, so we we need to be able to teach. But we, you know, we we they delineate between pastor and elder, and so I just want to punctuate this idea that that really all elders are responsible for the teaching, teaching, feeding uh, ministry. Even if, as you point out, some are going to be gifted at that. Well, when the elders meet, they should always be talking about the teaching ministry, feeding ministry of the church. And what should they be teaching and what needs to be addressed? What are problems? Uh, so even if it one uh, uh, of the elders is more gifted at this and has greater influence in this, they all are involved in yep. choosing the subjects, making sure things are, are taught are correct. Right. Yeah, one of the dangers here, I suppose, is is if you've got, you know, one one of the elders has gone to seminary. Let's just say it's the you know the main teaching teaching elder, and the rest of the elders can just defer, just defer, defer, defer to the seminary man. Well, he's gone there. Who am I to challenge him? But but this is actually a, a real danger in a lot of churches. Is we end up deferring all the way into liberalism and apostasy. So the importance of all elders knowing their Bibles, being Absolutely. able to stand up and say, "Hey, that's actually not right." 
Uh, this is a protection to the church that every elder knows sound doctrine and can refute those who contradict it. And they need courage. And what happens is people are intimidated by people with higher degrees and they back off. That is wrong. If you are a church elder, a biblical elder, you need to be always studying your Bible and learning and growing all the time. And you have every right to challenge uh, someone who is teaching doctrine contrary right, right. to our Bibles. So elders are in the teaching or the education business, you could say. Uh, and you are responsible. If you are an elder in a church, you are responsible for the teaching ministry. Even if you're not doing it, you are. You know about it. You know what's going on in Sunday school. You know what's going on in the junior high. Uh, and you are part of communicating and teaching the whole counsel of God, as Paul says. Yes, Acts 20, that is so important. Verse 20 and 27, where Paul lays out his own example. And he said, I taught you the whole counsel of God. Now, they are to do the same. Mm -hmm. And this brings up a good point. Elders should always be talking about strategies right. of teaching. How can we improve our teaching ministry? Bible studies, home groups, Sunday school classes, elective courses, uh, passing messages around, books right. around the right. church. We're in the education business, and we don't want an ignorant congregation Right. We sure don't want ignorant elders. Right. I love that uh, passage, Jeremiah 3. I will give you shepherds after my own heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. Even the Lord's great commission, teach them to observe. And uh, don't forget uh, Hosea 4, 6. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. We don't want that in our churches. And yet biblical illiteracy is growing. We have to confront this in our churches. Yeah, so to be sound teachers, you alluded to this, but elders need to be able to pass around good resources, good you know sermons, links, uh, teachers. Go to great conferences. Go to conferences. And you, you bring up a very relevant contemporary issue, and that's distractions. Mm. Uh, we can be so distracted. Um, t talk to me about that or just – Yes, this is a very big problem. Uh, never in human history, and sociologists say this, has there been so many distractions. We've got movies. We have television. We have sports. We have all kinds of entertainment galore. And uh, it just draws people away. Listen to what the psalmist says in Psalm 119.37. The psalmist says, Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your way. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things. We can spend mega hours in front of a TV, in front of sports. Nothing wrong with sports, but it's out of control. And the very people who are spending these kinds of hours they're not reading, they're not studying, they're not advancing, they're not growing, they're not um, expanding their mind. It's not good. Right. Uh, if the elders are stagnant, the church right. is going to be right. stagnant. As the elders go, so go the people. That's right. So the first one here is the teaching feeding ministry. We're talking about the fourfold responsibility of shepherd elders. Teaching feeding. Second one is the protecting, guarding, uh, watching over ministry. Talk to me about this. Dave, I just want to add one more point here. Uh, we were talking about the elders' own personal growth and learning. Um, some people do not like to read. It's hard for them to read. But we live in a wonderful day. You can get any book on audio. 
And while you're in your car, maybe you're exercising or taking a walk, you can be getting the greatest preachers in the world ministering on the Word of God right wherever you are. You can get books read to you. So there's no excuse for not expanding your mind and deepening your heart, enlarging your vision. Well, now that everyone listening to this is under deep conviction from should the Holy be. Spirit, they should be. Let's look at number two. Uh, let's the, don't make any apologies for it. We have the no, Word right. of God, and if we spend mega hours in front of entertainment, endless entertainment, what an insult to God yeah. that we don't even have time for His precious Word. So, number two, protecting, guarding, and watching over. Uh, this is the second responsibility of, of the elder. Uh, where do you get this from? Oh, we go right to Acts 20 again. Um, Paul's words to directly face-to-face to the Ephesian uh, elders where he's telling them, wolves are coming. Mm-hmm. In fact, this is a prophetic apostolic word that explains the next thousand years. Mm-hmm where we see wolves from without, wolves from within, be alert. It's almost overwhelming. I, I've not counted how many times it comes up. Maybe you know, but it's incredible to me the amount of times that Jesus and the apostles warn against wolves, oh, yes. warn against false teaching. It's it's not like a side issue. You know, I, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you. I and mean, that's a theme that resounds over and over again in the pages of the New Testament. And the elders are the sheepdogs. They're to, they're to, they're to protect the church from the wolves. So huge, huge point, huge responsibility, major responsibility for the elder. They are to protect the church from false Christs, false teachers, false gospels. And, and maybe, uh, to be thinking in terms of radical secularism or, or paganism, um, be, be aware of these things. Know how to guard. Know how to train your people. Uh, stay spiritually alert in this area. Any any other comments? Yes. On listen this? to this qualification in Titus one nine. Um, one of the greatest of the qualifications, particularly in our contemporary world, that we have a new militant, hostile mm-hmm. secularism that wants to put us out of business. Listen to this. An elder must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught. In other words, he clings tenaciously to the gospel. Two reasons, so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine. Now listen to this. We often bypass this. And also, able to rebuke those who contradict the Mm -hmm. gospel. An elder must not only be able to teach, but he must have an eye to see false teaching and to contradict it, to rebuke it. Yeah, that's a that's it, a qualification. It's an interesting statement. A lot of people will, you know, happily know sound doctrine, but it takes it takes uh, courage. It takes it takes courage to be able to refute and rebuke those who mm-hmm. contradict it. That's that's a profound you know in the country we live in 50 60 70 years ago there was a lot of agreement between secular society and christians 
Uh, my own parents weren't Christians. And uh, many of my moral, ethical beliefs, they believe the exact same thing. But that's not true today. Right. We live in a society that is utterly contrary to the gospel, to the ethics and the values of Christianity. In fact, they're despised. So more than ever, we need to be teaching and guarding our people, preparing our people for what we are right now facing and it will get worse in the future. All these issues of gender and right. sexuality and marriage, uh, truth, all of this is now um, quite different than the historic Christian faith. Yeah, and even those words, those two words from Paul, be alert, be alert. This is, a, this is an apostolic command for elders to to be up to date on cultural shifts. Yes. What's going on? Uh, what are the new fashionable trends? So you mentioned transgenderism is a great example of that. Uh, how can you get your people resources? How can you get them articles? Uh, elders are responsible for this. I was uh, talking to a church out in California. It's a very, very good church. And one of the elders said to me, all our elders are readers. Wow. They read and we pass things around. And I thought, that's excellent. I yeah. was in another church, and this other church, when you walk into the main building, it says, for the equipping of the saints. In other words, on Sunday morning, they are equipping, preparing yeah. all the believers for the work of ministry. Excellent. So the fourfold responsibility teaching feeding we looked at, we looked at the protecting, guarding, watching over uh, aspect. And the third is the leading managing, governing responsibility of the elders. What does this mean? Well, uh, a shepherd every morning goes to the fold and he leads the sheep out of the fold. He leads them to greener pasture. He leads them to uh, running water and he examines them. He leads them and then he leads them back into the fold. He also manages. That's a very big part of shepherding. Are the sheep sick? Um, are they, uh, what about the lambing? What about the shearing? Uh, so many little things have to be managed. Yeah, I actually love that word. I, I have, I don't know how many times I've taught through biblical eldership in the workbook. And I would say one of the, one of the main things in the last couple of years that has, has been impressed upon me just going through these passages again and again and again is this that word management. I think that that is such an important word and a, such an important uh, way for elders to understand what they do. This is part of what you do is you manage. You've got to be a uh, competent manager, be able to manage yourself, but you're managing the uh, household of God. I, th I think that metaphor is really, really helpful. Well, there's another one, and that's Titus 1.7. Not spoken of much, but very, very important, and that is mm. an overseer, which has the idea of management, an overseer is God's steward. Steward means administrator, right. household estate manager. Right. Well, to be a steward, God's steward again, not the church's steward, God's steward of God's household, one has to have honest character mm -hmm. and have competency in doing the job of managing people. So remember this, elders are God's stewards of God's household. They manage, mm -hmm. administer the household of God. 
Yeah, I think that's just a, it's a helpful um, emphasis on how elders need to view themselves and see themselves. This is part of your responsibility. You're you're managing, leading. Here, here's something very interesting, David. Of all the complaints I hear of elders over the last yes, I've heard you say thirty this. Yep. some years is they're not leading. Isn't that interesting? They're not out front. They're not guiding. They're not opening the doors. Uh, they're not giving us new vision. They're not addressing problems. This is the big issue I hear from people. Isn't that interesting? People And people want to be led. They long for it. That's so interesting that of all, because I know you have a lot of, you've told me an hour a day, you have conversations with churches. I mean, this is almost every day. Uh, oh, yes. Not an exaggeration. And for, for you to hear that as the primary complaint is is quite a fascinating Oh, they'll say, oh, our elders are very wonderful men. We love them, but they're just not leading us. They're not addressing problems. Yeah. You know, I don't know if we get into this later in the book, but the need for communication, uh, this was an idea that our elders adopted of of just having an elder over communication that, you know, once a month, we're going to address topics. We're going to talk about things. People, we created a tab on our website. If you've got questions for the elders, maybe it's theological questions, maybe it's just practical questions, but to open the lines up of communication so that elders can lead um, just is just one example, maybe a practical idea of, of mitigating this or helping this uh, so that elders can can do that, can have space and opportunity to do that. Because otherwise you get in a rut, you, you know, you have your meetings, your weekly meetings, you're praying, discussing about things, and, and that never gets translated to the staff, doesn't get translated to the church. And so that that's one area of management that maybe is a practical idea yes, for Yes, later in the book, we're going to deal with this issue, and it's um, – very big issue of poor communication between elders and congregation, poor communication among the elders. Right, right. And uh, it needs to be addressed because it frustrates people. Right. Good leadership is good communication and good listening. Yep, good. Last one is uh, practical care. Uh, what does this mean? What do you mean by this? Well, uh, look at James 5. Uh, if uh, someone is sick, they're not getting better. It's a serious situation. Call the elders of the church. Um, a shepherd has to take care of the health of the sheep. Uh, you can lose a whole uh, flock of sheep if you're not careful. And uh, then you've got uh, Paul in Acts chapter 20 uh, talking to the Ephesian elders, telling them to care for the weak. The weak, they are not spiritually weak. They're weak in the sense of they might be sick, uh, they might be poor. You think of being a widow or an orphan in the first century, you were in serious trouble. You were in poverty and uh, people would exploit you. So, yes, there's there's the... uh, compassionate side, the generosity side of leading people. You know, of all the responsibilities, this one I think smacks most against the idea of a bored elder. I mean, this you talk about hospitality, you talk about caring for the weak. Uh, this is not a bored elder. No. This is a shepherd elder. Uh, we in our church will often call them shepherd elders, pastor elders, and uh, in some churches, the term elder won't even work. Right. I think you're Mormon. Y- use, yeah. use something like, call all the elders pastors. Uh, she- pastors. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. just because you have a job doesn't mean you don't pastor people. Right. 
Right, which is a great segue into the last part of this chapter on pastoral leadership. What about those who are working a job and pastoring a congregation? In fact, I'll just lob one up for you. I know you don't like the term lay elder. Uh, maybe talk about that a little bit, and then let's talk about you know those who are pastoring the church, their elders, but they're also working a full-time job. So couple different things for you to choose. Well, if they're the lay elders, who are the other elders? Hmm. I guess they must be the clergy elders. I don't know what they call them. All elders are elders. All elders have been given the same task. They all have the same title. So let's stay with the biblical model. It's much better, and you don't get all this confusion. So if you look at Acts 20, it appears in Acts 20, he is looking at people who are working because he says, mm -hmm. just as I worked hard helping the weak, you are to work hard and help the weak. So most elders will be self-supporting. We call them tent makers, right. Acts 18. They provide their own livelihood. Now, people say you can't uh, raise a family, have a job, and pastor a church simply untrue. Yep. I think of all the men I know that I know men that have remodeled uh, their whole home over a five or six year period with all their time after work and with the family. I know men that are very active several times a week in leading sports teams, hobbies. I know one man who's completely redone cars. The time is there. It's where you allocate it. It's how you use it for the Lord. So because a man works 40, 50 hours a week, has a family to raise, does not mean there is no time for the shepherding ministry. There is. It's a matter of personal discipleship and dedication and personal sacrifice. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things will be added to you. You've got this phenomenal quote on page 41, R. Paul Stevens, uh, yes. talking about tent-making elders. I want to read this. For tent-makers to survive three full-time jobs, work, family, and ministry, they must also adopt a sacrificial lifestyle. Tent-makers must live a pruned life and literally find leisure and rest in the rhythm of serving Christ. They must be willing to forego a measure of career achievement and private leisure for the privilege of gaining the prize. Many would like to be tent makers if they could be wealthy and live a leisurely and cultured lifestyle, but the truth is that a significant ministry in the church and the community can only come by sacrifice. You know, it's one of the ways we love God. The greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. One of the ways you love God is by taking that time that you could use for many other things and you give it to the church mm -hmm. you give it to the lord's people i think you will find greater joy meaning and fulfillment in life if you give your life mm -hmm. to serving god's people serving his church and it's a, a life of selflessness but it's a life of great reward mm -hmm. yeah these tent making elders deserve our our highest esteem uh, sacrificing uh, and serving the church in this manner. Well, David, you and I have served with a whole group of men uh, that have regular jobs, provide their own needs, provide the needs of the church, and care for their children, raise their children. And isn't it interesting how so many of them, their children of now, we've seen them take on leadership in the church because they looked at dad and mom and they saw right. dad gave his life for yeah. Christ and his church. 
and uh, they are touched by that. So, which is why I, I agree with your uh, assessment that the the term lay elders is it's a bit offensive. Uh, these men are serving. This is not like the the B team. This is not B team eldership. This is they're part of the A team. And in some sense, they should have more recognition and honor for the fact that they're serving this way. So, so, so often churches, well, I'm just a lay elder. That's usually the, the tone in which people will explain, no, you're not a lay elder. You're, you're one of the elders. Holy Spirit of God set you as an overseer to shepherd the church of God. If the Holy Spirit set you as an overseer to shepherd God's church, which he purchased with his own blood, uh, you better take that seriously. And we ought not to call those people, well, they temporarily serve for three years, or right. maybe they can come back. It, it demeans the whole biblical eldership right. concept. Now, I know what some people are thinking. This is a bit overwhelming. Uh, if this is literally what I'm supposed to do, uh, I can feel the pinch or just the the weight of this. This is a weighty thing to be responsible for these four aspects. Uh, you've got a, a mention here, and again, page 41, no elder is expected to do all the work of shepherding a church. Each elder's part of a team of qualified elders sharing the pastoral oversight of the local church. This is the beauty of plurality. Yes. Um, let me tell you, if you're not an elder, you're probably overwhelmed. Everyone's overwhelmed. I'd rather be overwhelmed with the Lord's work than uh, many other things. Um, remember this. The Lord's not trying to kill you. He's trying to bless you. Um, we have a team of elders. And as elders together in a council of elders, we need to talk about uh, the amount of time we're putting in. Uh, are some elders doing too much, which isn't good for their family? So we talk about that as a team. We do this as a team, uh, as a body together, and we have to protect one another. But then we have deacons. Right. Deacons, according to the New Testament, are assistants to the elders. The elders' work is so busy, God gives them assistance, and they need to learn to delegate. And then we need to remember this. And we can talk a little bit more about it later also, David. And that is every member ministry. Mm -hmm. Elders must be good delegators like we see in Acts chapter 6 when the apostles delegated all that work of the widows and the finances to the seven. So don't do everything. Let people know it's not our job to do every ministry in the church. Everyone is a minister serving the church yeah just a word of encouragement for for uh elder groups council of elders as you're going through this thinking about this is to have an ethos in your eldership that you're not trying to squeeze every last ounce uh, from one another but there's sort of an attitude of what can we take off your shoulders uh, maybe there's things you can take off. Maybe maybe you're in a season right now where you've got to peel back some responsibilities, but it's an attitude of how can we help one another? We've even used the term care fronting instead of confronting. Like, hey, are, are you overwhelmed? Do we need to have you maybe step down for a season or just peel back some responsibilities? But have this attitude of we are, this is the beauty of being part of a team. Now, we want elders to have job descriptions and responsibilities. We don't want just ad hoc elders, but... I think this whole idea of of just knowing there is a we're a team together. There are deacons assisting in this. Uh, every member ministry, of course, staff would be a part of that in a lot of churches. Um, we're not doing this alone. We're working as a team. Um, 
In 1 Timothy 3.1, Paul calls it a noble task. See it that way. This is a noble task. I think that's an excellent translation. It also can be translated a good work, but it's noble. It's something special. And yes, it's hard work, and there's a lot of hours, but there's a nobility to it. There's a dignity to it. Uh, there's a worth to it. Uh, that cannot uh, be explained unless you are doing this. So I want to uh, summarize, David, here in this chapter. The, the big theme, the big concept is eldership is shepherding. That's the big overriding idea. And the more you learn about shepherding and a shepherd from other books or talking to shepherds, you will be able to grasp better the comprehensive work of shepherding. Well, Alex, thank you. Next episode, we'll look at uh, chapter three, shared leadership. But this was a great, uh, great summary, I think, for us on, on what uh, shepherding is and why it's important. A noble task, and we need more shepherds. We're in desperate need as our society becomes more and more selfish. People have been taken down by sin, and uh, addictions, it's going to be harder and harder to find people of character who can shepherd the Lord's people. This is a noble task. Yes. Biblical Eldership Resources is committed to equipping church elders to help them be effective, godly leaders of the church. Please consider donating to the ministry so that we can continue to provide essential eldership resources for church elders around the world. To donate, go to biblicaleldership.com.